everybody. Welcome back to On The Mix. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today we are taking a total left turn with the genre that I'm going to be mentioning today. So this is my first episode where I'm going to be diving into hip-hop, and I really wanted to do the proper dive into 90s hip-hop because, honestly, I've always really enjoyed 90s hip-hop. I think it's such an interesting genre, and I think it's the best. I really ended up enjoying them a lot. Now, I have to say, I've heard their tune Electric Relaxation before in the 90s. I mean, some of their tunes I have heard a really long time ago when I was a child, so it was almost like taking a time machine back to the 90s and reliving my memories as a child. But a lot of the songs were new to me, and I never heard of them before, which is interesting because they're massive tunes. I mean, A Tribe Called Quest is one of my favorites, honestly. They can do no wrong. I would consider them one of the forefathers of what modern hip-hop is today. So without further ado, let's just jump right on into it. If you are a massive hip-hop head or you don't really like hip-hop that much or you don't even know a lot about the genre, honestly, take a listen to this episode because it's a great one. Honestly, you will learn a lot. You'll learn a lot about it. So sit back, relax, and let's get started. So the formative members of A Tribe Called Quest are Q-Tip, Fife Dog, Ali Shaheed Muhammad, and Jerobi White. And A Tribe Called Quest is based in New York, so it's East Coast side. Q-Tip and Fife Dog were childhood friends who grew up together in St. Albans, Queens, New York City. Q-Tip performed initially as a rapper, a battle rapper to be exact, under the name MC Love Child, and occasionally they would team up together with high school friend Ali Shaheed Muhammad as a rapper and DJ duo. In 1985, the duo began making demos over Q-Tip's tape beats. So Q-Tip was making beats, you know. Fife Dog later joined them, though he didn't become a full member until... Jerobi White joined them, and they're all neighborhood friends, you know what I mean? Like, Queens, Brooklyn, New York City, it's just one of those places where you're extremely close-knit to the neighboring communities around each other. It's just kind of, it still is that way today. It just kind of is what it is. So now that they all formed together, the group dubbed themselves initially as Crush Connection, and then they later called themselves Quest. And it wasn't until later that their final name, A Tribe Called Quest, was actually formed in 1988 by another beginning kind of hip-hop group called Jungle Brothers. So shortly after A Tribe Called Quest was officially born, there was this group that centered around like-minded Afrocentrism, positivity, and eclectic sampling in their music. So this is called Native Tongues, this collective of hip-hop groups. A Tribe Called Quest was in this group, the Jungle Brothers were in this group, De La Soul was in this group, and Queen Latifah and others were also in this Native Tongues collective. It primarily focused on Afrocentrism, you know, taking who they are, putting it out into the world with positivity, with love, showing everybody who they are, you know, no holds barred. This is just, I am who I am, and let's bring our heritage into the rap game, into the hip-hop game, into the music game with their fashion, their looks, the jewelry that they wore, like the message they were promoting in their music, like 
everything. And so I never knew that. I, I always knew about De La Soul, and I grew up with De La Soul. I love them, to be honest. I love De La Soul. Um, so I didn't know initially that they all formed this collective called Native Tongues. And this was in New York as well, by the way. This was all East Coast side, or <laughs> represent. In 1989, Fife Dog made his first recorded appearance on the song Buddy, which was the remix of De La Soul's single. So now that A Tribe Called Quest was officially formed, they hired Cool DJ Redler as their first manager. And in early 1989, the group signed a demo deal with Geffen Records and produced a five-song demo. However, Geffen decided against offering the group a recording contract, so eventually the group was forced to look elsewhere. And this was where they formed with Jive Records. And at the time, Jive was an independent rap label. They were to become really big over the years. But at the time, they were extremely independent. So for them, even though it wasn't a very lucrative deal to join with Jive Records at the time, it turned out to be an extremely smart move. So there you go. And then later that year, the group released their first 12-inch single called Description of a Fool. Their debut album is called People's Instinctive Travels and the Paths of Rhythm, and this was released on April the 10th, 1990. The music was an eclectic mix of jazz, funk, soul, and rock samples. The album was met with critical acclaim, so everyone was really, really, really enjoying this album a lot. At the time, NME actually stated that the album isn't rap, but it's near perfection. The album only really gained a large momentum after the release of the singles Bonita Applebaum and Can I Kick It, which eventually gave the album its gold certification in 1996. Okay, so now their second album, The Low End Theory. I think this, along with Midnight Marauders, is one of their most popular albums, and I think it's one of their most critically acclaimed albums because the songs that are on this album is just perfection. Honestly, on, on all their albums, I have to say, it's just so good and so rich and just chock full of such great sampling, such great flow, bars, beats, you name it, it's all in here. But oof, the low end theory, oh my god, it is so good. And this was released on September the 24th, 1991. And actually, this day is considered one of the greatest album release days in modern music history. And why is that? Because not only did this album by A Tribe Called Quest release on this day, but Nirvana's Nevermind came out on this day, and Red Hot Chili Peppers' Blood, Sex, and Magic also released on this day. So September the 24th is a very special day in music history. Keep that one in the back of your mind. So getting back to the low-end theory, the low-end theory had Check the Rhyme as the lead single. And the song largely established the lyrical interplay between Q-Tip and Fife Dog. Now, Q-Tip has the more kind of laid-back, relaxed, chill side of his rap game, and Fife Dog is more forward and kind of in-your-face, and their wordplay, honestly, just individually, and then, of course, how they bounce off of each other, um, is so unique and so different, unlike anything that I have ever really heard or seen in the hip-hop, rap, 
genre, to be honest. I mean, I love that Q-Tip is really relaxed and laid back in how he presents himself. Like, he has a really cool um, vibe about him. And then Fife Dog just comes in there with the punch, and he just blows everyone out of the water. Honestly, so, so good. Um, until this point, most of the group songs had only featured vocals by Q-Tip initially, but Q-Tip really encouraged Fife Dog to increase his participation, despite, at this point, his recent diabetes diagnosis. So at this point in time, Fife Dog was considering taking a bit of a step back in participation, but Q-Tip really pushed him to come into his own and to be up front and center with the rest of the group. So musically, the album fused hip-hop with the laid-back atmosphere of jazz, particularly the genres known as bebop and hardbop, and combined with a minimalist approach to production that stripped down the sound of the vocals, the drums, and the bass, this just played a massive role in the unique sound of the album in particular. And the mixing engineer, Bob Power, we have to give it to him. We have to give it to him because this is something that I think people don't really think about when it comes to the sampling back then. When you sampled music at this point in time in the 90s, when you were sampling a piece of music, there was a lot of static noise that was coming from these old vinyl records, of course, when you were going to sample them. So what Bob Power had to do was he had to remove all of the surface noise and the static. Without him coming in there and really making this the best that it could be, I don't know. It would be a totally different thing, but that's just a little thing that maybe you guys don't think about. So during these recording sessions, Jerobi White left the group to pursue a career in the culinary arts, and he's actually still in that profession today. Clearly, he loves doing that, you know. And so when he left to switch up his career, they hired Chris Lightly as their new group manager. Lyrically, A Tribe Called Quest focused on a range of social issues, while also criticizing the hip-hop industry on several different songs. So guests on this album included Leaders of the New School, which featured acts like Charlie Brown and Busta Rhymes and others. Um, Brian Nubian was another guest appearance on the album and Ron Carter. And Ron Carter played double bass on the song Versus from the Abstract. Additional singles included Jazz We've Got and Scenario. Okay, Scenario, one of the best hip hop songs that I've ever heard in my life. And I'm not just saying that, and I'm not exaggerating, that is the truth. So they performed a live version of Scenario on the Arsenio Hall show with leaders of the new school, and this gave them a huge boost in popularity. Now, I have to say about Scenario, right? Busta Rhymes. You guys know about Busta Rhymes, of course. Like, he had a massive, massive career shift career leap, I should say, in the 2000s with collaborating with so many different people like Mariah Carey, Janet Jackson, Pharrell, uh, P. Diddy, etc., etc. The list just goes on and on with Busta Rhymes. I love Busta Rhymes. The way that he flows and his syncopation, all these other things that he does with his rhymes and, ah, man, it's just so, so good. And Busta Rhymes, again, he was part of that hip-hop group called Leaders of the New School, and there were other guest appearances on Scenario as well. 
Um, but Buster Rhymes was only 19 years old when he sang his rap verse on Scenario. And that was one of the first times that he actually was to debut on a single. And this single was to become so massive, so massive. His whole thing, Buster Rhymes, his whole thing in Scenario is so good. I think it's one of his best that I've ever heard. But the whole song, everyone has their own bits. It's, oh, listen to Scenario if you've never heard it before. Seriously, make that the first song by A Tribe Called Quest that you hear if you've never heard of them before. And something that I didn't know as well was how Scenario came about. So the backing track, the backing beat of the song is comprised of a drum section that was sampled from the Jimi Hendrix Experience song, Little Miss Lover, and an organ part from Brother Jack McDuff's Obligato song. I think it's pretty fitting that I just did a Jimi Hendrix episode, and Jimi Hendrix is now featured on this episode. It all links together. I just, I just love when stuff like that happens. So yeah, this is considered one of the most influential hip-hop tracks of all time. Another fun fact that um, I didn't know either, but when I listened to this, I stopped myself and I was like, wait, I've heard that before. So I know all of you out there know the Bare Naked Lady song One Week, right? I, <laughs> I loved that song as a kid. I absolutely loved it. One of my favorite lyrics in that song is, Chickity China, the Chinese chicken. Okay, well, in scenario, this song came out first. In scenario, Buster Rhymes has a little lyric that I'm I'm just saying this off the top of my head, so if it's a little bit off, forgive me, but I, I believe it goes Chocolatey Choco, the chocolate chicken. Guess where Bare Naked Ladies of All People got the inspiration to add that little ditty in their tune one week from this song scenario? That's correct. They changed it up a little bit. It's just so funny to me. Bare Naked Ladies is just one artist that has sampled scenario over and over and over again. Like they're just one of many people throughout the years that have gone back to this song and they sampled it, they took inspiration and they flipped it around. It's just so good. It's just so, so good. And this song forever changed hip hop at a time when it was already morphing into something never before seen or heard. It's just, oh, it's just so good. The Low End Theory received widespread acclaim from critics. A lot of sources at the time praised their progressive sound and streetwise edge, also saying and noting that those who question Fife Dog's microphone techniques on the first album will swallow those doubts as he practically steals the show on this one. And I would agree. On Scenario, Fife Dog, with his whole verse in the beginning, oh my god, just mic drop. Absolute mic drop. The album peaked at number 45 on the Billboard 200 and was certified gold on February 19th, 1992, and it eventually reached platinum status by 95. So now their third album, right, Midnight Marauders, this was released on November the 9th, 1993. The lead single is A War Tour, and oh my god, this is another tune by them that I love so much. Like, oh my god, they just come out with so many good tunes. This was the group's highest charting single, and it helped to land the album at number eight on the Billboard 200. The production of this album is still heavily rooted in jazz, and that's also another thing about A Tribe Called Quest that maybe with other hip-hop artists is a little different. They really root 
their music, how do I say this, their musical flair, I suppose, in jazz, jazz, funk, soul, that kind of thing. And I love that. Same with De La Soul, actually. I mean, it's in the name. <laughs> um, they root their stuff in the soul, the funk, the jazz. Um, that's where that really comes from. And I, I'm a major fan of that whole sound. I, I love it. And what made this album slightly different was the album, I think, on this one, this one, Midnight Marauders, was a little bit more cohesive because they had an intro and an outro where they had the voice of a tour guide coming in and speaking. So it's it's kind of not really a concept album, but the whole package, I think, is maybe um, put out there a little bit more cohesively, I guess, is what I could say about it. Midnight Marauders saw improved lyrical interplay again between Fife Dog and Q-Tip, as seen on Electric Relaxation, one of the best tunes that they've ever done. It is so chill, so good, so amazing. I remember hearing this song as a child in the 90s. Oh my god, it's, it's so good. The popularity of Electric Relaxation led to it becoming the opening theme song for a sitcom in the 90s called the Wayan Brothers, and I've never actually seen that show before. But if you know the Wayan Brothers, then you know what I'm talking about. Um, And it was on from 95 to 96. The album received widespread acclaim again from critics. Entertainment Weekly called the album as fresh as their first. And Melody Maker stated, A Tribe Called Quest have expanded their vision with a lyrical gravitas as a musical lightness of touch that has eluded them across a whole album. I like that quote, actually. Midnight Marauders became a Tribe Called Quest fastest selling album. It was certified platinum on January 11th, 1995, only 14 months after its release. So, Absolutely. I would say if you've never listened to them before, I would definitely give Midnight Marauders and The Low End Theory a listen first and really dive in deep. Really dive in deep. I'm telling you, you cannot be disappointed. It's like every album that they ever do is so good. You can't go wrong. So now at this point in time, you know, their first three albums were kind of released one after the other. Um, So they took a bit of an intermission for two years, between 94 and 95. In 1994, Tupac actually performed his song Out on Bail, interrupting A Tribe Called Quest as they accepted an award for Group of the Year at the Source Awards. Um, This was accidental. He didn't mean to interrupt them, but it just... It's just funny because, like, now the whole thing about the East Coast, West Coast rivalry and hip-hop was becoming big. Like, G-Funk, Snoop Dogg, and Dr. Dre were becoming massive over on the West Coast. And then, of course, you got Biggie Smalls, you got Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul. um, You know, you have all the others on the East Coast coming together. So now it's coming into something different. And I have to say, though, A Tribe Called Quest heavily influenced all these other hip-hop legends that we know today. Dr. Dre's The Chronic would not have been released if it wasn't for A Tribe Called Quest. It's true, and I know everyone loves The Chronic. I know you do. So we have to give it up to A Tribe Called Quest, because what they were doing is really so unique and so different. So, that summer in 1994, the group performed on the Lollapalooza tour among... The Smashing Pumpkins, Stereolab, The Verve, etc., etc. While on tour, keyboardist Amp Fiddler introduced Q-Tip to a young producer from Detroit named JD, 
At the suggestion of Q-Tip, JD later joined him and Ali, forming a production group known as the UMA. And this is Arabic for the worldwide Muslim community. So at this point, Q-Tip and Ali Muhammad were converting to Muslim and Fife Dog wasn't really about that. Um, this is kind of where a little bit of, of a bridge started to form between Fife Dog and the rest of the group. He wasn't really all about it. So this is kind of why an intermission also took place because there was a bit of a, a, a slight riff going on at this at this point. So the UMA, this production unit that was formed between the three, JD, Q-Tip, and Ali, this is where each member produced songs individually and received a songwriting credit for their work. And so they produced A Tribe Called Quest next two albums, like all on their own. During this same period, group members contributed to several notable projects outside of A Tribe Called Quest. Fife Dog made an appearance on the song Introlude from Crazy Sexy Cool in 1994. And later that year, Q-Tip, he was going off. Q-Tip was really starting to get into producing a lot of music for a lot of up-and-coming rappers and hip-hop artists. And Nas is one of those people. Illmatic, that album by Nas, is one of the best hip-hop albums of all time. Listen to that one as well. Um, Q-Tip produced the single One Love from that album specifically. Listen to it. Just listen to it. That's all I gotta say. Q-Tip also appeared on the song Get It Together by the Beastie Boys from their album Ill Communication as well. And in 1995, Ali produced, he co-produced actually, the single Brown Sugar from D'Angelo's debut album Brown Sugar. And Q-Tip produced three songs for Mob Deep while serving as a mixing engineer for their album The Infamous. The group also contributed Glamour and Glitz, the song, to the show, the soundtrack, that year, before returning in 1996 with their next album, Beats, Rhymes, and Life. And this was released on July 30th, 1996, supported by the singles Once Again and Stressed Out. And again, this was recorded during the whole East Coast-West Coast hip-hop rivalry. So before, where they were talking about societal issues, they were talking about their roots, their Afrocentricism, they were talking about their own interpersonal things. Now, they were starting to kind of talk about the East Coast, West Coast rivalry going on. So now, the lyrics were starting to take a shift. And specifically, tracks like Get a Hold, Keep It Moving, and Baby Fife's Return were referring to this hip-hop East Coast, West Coast rivalry. So the Uma's production style was a minimalist R&B and jazz-infused sound, was a big departure from the group's previous albums, of course. So this was a whole different kind of ballgame. Lyrically, the album featured a less playful and more philosophical approach to the group. So Q-Tip brought on his cousin, and his cousin went by the name Consequence. So he was an aspiring rapper, and Q-Tip was like, you know what, you want to come on the album and, like, rap for us? Why not? Consequence was also a guest feature on this album, and he was present on six of the songs on the album. Fife Dog later stated that this period was when he began to lose interest in the group majorly, and he had this to say. I really felt like with Midnight Marauders, I came into my own. By the time when Beats, Rhymes, and Life came out, I started feeling like I didn't fit in anymore. 
Q-Tip and Ali had converted to Islam and I didn't. Music felt like a job, like I was just doing it to pay the bills. I never wanted my music to feel like just a job. They would schedule studio time at the last minute, I'd catch a plane from Atlanta to be in New York, and when I got to the studio, no one would be there. They would have canceled the session without telling me. Seems like the management was concerned with other folks, not me. But I never lost my confidence. So, Beats, Rhymes, and Life debuted at number one. Number one on the Billboard 200, and it went gold before the end of the year. So, they are kicking it off majorly with this album right here. It was certified platinum by 1998. And critical reception was a bit divided, but it was mostly positive. Rolling Stone called the album nearly flawless, and Melody Maker felt that it provided both their best and worst thus far. So mm, it was a bit split. However, I think the public, the fans really enjoyed it because it went to number one. I think that's more important that the fans enjoy it more than the critics. I mean, again, I, what do the critics know? I've said this a million times. What do the critics really know? It's where the fans like it or not. That's where it counts more. But anyway, the album was nominated for a Best Rap Album and the single once again was nominated for a Best Rap Performance by a duo or group at the 1997 Grammy Awards. So they're just fully in it. They're fully in the swing of their of their fame, their popularity. They're putting out music that has impact on everybody. They're still on about love though. They, they still at the end of the day, they do keep coming around to love because they're all about the positivity. At the core of them, they're all about the positivity, right? They keep coming together. So in 1997, the group was featured on the Fuji's single, Rumble in the Jungle, alongside Busta Rhymes and John Forte from the When We Were Kings soundtrack. They also appeared on the soundtrack Men in Black, the album, with the song Same Old Thing. In Europe at this time as well, they released the Jam EP, and that year also saw the first reunion of the three Native Tongues groups since 1989. So this was when Jungle Brothers invited a tribe called Quest and De La Soul to guest on a song from their album Raw Deluxe, which the song is called How You Want It, We Got It. I just, I might have to do one on De La Soul at some point. I just, I really enjoy them a lot. I, oh, they're so good. Just, oh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> I could go on about De La Soul. But a month before their next album, The Love Movement, was released, on September the 29th, 1989, the group announced that it would be their final album, in part because the group cited their frustration with Jive Records as a significant factor to the breakup, but also, again, like I mentioned, the tension in the room between Fife Dog and Q-Tip and Ali were really starting to divide them because Fife Dog felt a bit outcasted. I don't want to say is the right word, but that's the only word that comes to mind right now. So it was just becoming a lot more divided and separated. The Love Movement was actually supposed to be released in May of 1998, but it got pushed out to September because there was actually a fire at Q-Tip's home studio that delayed the album, but it also destroyed his whole record collection and a number of unreleased tribe songs. So there was a lot of unreleased songs from A Tribe Called Quest that we will never hear again because it got burned in this fire at his home studio. So that's why the album itself was delayed until the fall. 
the love movement, which is centered around the theme of love, um, of course, <laughs> was promoted by the single Find A Way, a song that innocently wonders about the point at which friendship spills over into sex. And not only was it about love in that kind of sense, but it was about love in a whole grander scheme of things. You know, what the whole rivalry of the coasts, they wanted to come together and bridge the gap. That's what they wanted to do. Musically, the album saw the return of the Uma's stripped-down production style from their previous album. So, some people don't really like this album in particular because it is quite different. I think maybe the tensions that were in the studio with Fife Dog and the other members could be seen on this album, but... Even if that's the case, even if maybe this album is considered, quote-unquote, their maybe uh, worst or their least liked album, it's still a great album nonetheless. So their whole discography, to be honest, is insanely, insanely impressive. It's so good. The Love Movement was certified gold on November 1st of that year, so literally (laughs) just over a month after its release. So my god, they're really doing it. Critical reception was mostly positive. Rolling Stone remarked that the mature, accomplished niceness of the love movement proves that the tribe still has the skills. They're just short on thrills. All right, Rolling Stone. Very fancy of you to rhyme, (laughs) to rhyme like that. The album was nominated for a Best Rap Album at the 1999 Grammy Awards. So again, that was their last album at that point. At that point in time, they were now broken up because of the disputes between Jive Records, the whole Fife Dog issue with the rest of the group. They had, at this point, separated. Under the management of Violator, Q-Tip started his successful solo career, which saw two Billboard Hot 100 hit songs called Vibrant Thing and Breathe and Stop. And he had, of course, the release of his album Amplified in 1999. The album featured production by himself, JD, and a DJ called DJ Scratch. However, despite receiving pretty good reviews on the album, it was criticized by the hip-hop community for its mainstream sound at the time. And of course, when you've got Q-Tip, a man, one of three, one of four initially, in A Tribe Called Quest, who was noticed and they got really famous for their distinctive, unique, different approach to rap and hip-hop, I guess having him come into a more mainstream sound would have some backlash from not only the critics, but the fans too. So I, I could see that happening, of course, I could see it. However, Fife Dog was one of the most notable critics of Q-Tip's music and his solo album. Fife Dog released his own solo album called Ventilation in 2000, the following year, and he spoke about these situations, these issues with him and Q-Tip and Ali and other issues on that solo album. Ali formed a supergroup with Raphael Shadik, who is from the group Tony, 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 as well as joining Don Robinson, who was part of En Vogue or En Vogue. So these three, they were a supergroup. And this supergroup released two hit singles called Dance Tonight and Don't Mess With My Man from their self-titled debut album. And it was certified gold a few months after its release in the year 2000. However, there was some disputes between Raphael and Don. Don left the group, but eventually, after touring for a bit, you know, it just kind of fell apart from there. So that supergroup only released one album. 
I would say out of the three of them, between Fife Dog, Ellie, and Q-Tip, Q-Tip, I think, is the most predominant one that did the most in the music industry, not only making his own music, but producing other artists' work as well and guest featuring, etc., etc. So I think Q-Tip at this point in time is really doing the most. In 2001, Q-Tip changed directions and recorded his next album, Kamal the Abstract, an album which saw him in the role of singer and band leader, unlike his other works. So this album was made around live music and abstract song concepts. However, at the time, the record company Arista Records refused to release the album, doubting that it had commercial potential, so Q-Tip left the label. However, he had to eventually shelve it until a later date because it just it couldn't really come out at that time. In 2002, Q-Tip recorded the song What Lies Beneath, in which he responded finally to Fife Dog's comments about him. So <laughs> now they're just having a back and forth here at this point in time. However, brothers are brothers, and in 2003, Q-Tip and Fife Dog put aside their differences, and A Tribe Called Quest briefly reunited in the studio to record the song I See You Doing It, and it was intended to be the first single from an album called The Violator Compilation. However, the album just wasn't released. So it was good that they were getting together, but this album was not released, unfortunately. So Q-Tip was like, okay, if I had to shelve my other album, Come All the Abstract, I'll work on another album. And this album was called Open, and he was doing this in late 2003, and he planned to release it in 2004. It featured contributions from Andre 3000 from Outkast, Common, and D'Angelo. However, it just wasn't going to work again because his label, DreamWorks Records, got bought out by Universal Music Group. Of course it does, right? And eventually, again, like this other album that he did got shelved. On August the 27th, the same year in 2004, A Tribe Called Quest headlined for the first time in a long time at the Street Scene Music Festival in San Diego. And in the following year, 2005, the group received the Founders Award at the Billboard R&B Hip Hop Awards in Atlanta, Georgia. So there you go. They are just, even though they're still kind of not really together, you know, they're still receiving all these amazing accolades even in their post-breakup time. So now the year is 2006. The group reunited briefly as a touring band in part mainly to help Fife Dog with his medical expenses due to his diabetes because, again, it's very expensive. Insulin is so expensive. And all the other things he had to get to help his diabetes. I mean, poof. So they kept, you know, they came together and they were like, okay, let's help our brother here. So they come together and it was mainly again to help, you know, give him a bit of money so that he could pay his medical bills, et cetera, et cetera. They co-headlined that year's Bumbershot Festival in Seattle and performed several sold-out concerts in the US, Canada, and Japan. So that I know definitely helped Fife Dog out a lot. According to Fife Dog at this time, Quest planned to release an album as they owe Jive one more in their six-album contract. Speaking about the possibility of a new album at this particular time in 2006, Fife Dog had this to say. Man, we was only 18, 19 when we first got started. When we broke up, we were like still 28. Now we're 35, 36. 
It'd be real different being in the studio. It would be real interesting to see where Q-tip is. It would all be on a much higher level. But we are all into such different stuff from way back then. We need at least a solid month to work on something. Trying to get all of us together for that much time, I don't see it happening. So they do eventually release another album, however. So even though he wasn't really sure if they could do it, they do end up doing it. In 2007, A Tribe Called Quest was honored at the VH1 Hip Hop Honors, and the group was named the headlining act for the 2008 Rock the Bells tour. So at this point, again, they're just kind of headlining, doing their own thing, they're touring, they're still recording this album that they're trying to come out with. Unfortunately, that same year as well, Fife Dog had to receive a kidney transplant from his wife due to his diabetes. Man, that's just so unfortunate, just knowing what I know, knowing what we all know, probably. (sighs) So unfortunate about Fife Dog and his diabetes, honestly. Very, very sad that he had to go through all of that. Very unfortunate. In late 2008, Q-Tip released his long-awaited second album called The Renaissance. This is not his other ones, but... This is his long-awaited second album that the public was waiting for, and it was called The Renaissance, and he released it on Universal Motown Records. Finally, the following year in 2009, after being shelved for seven years, finally his other album, Kamal the Abstract, was released. So finally he found a record company that would promote the album for him. Good for him, because it was finally so long-awaited. Sometime later, in 2013, the group performed at a handful of festivals throughout the summer. And in November of that year, two of the four New York shows for a Kanye West's Yeezus tour featured A Tribe Called Quest as supporting acts. And these last shows were actually intended to be Quest's final live performances, as at this point in time, it looked like they were close to breaking up for a second time, but that time it would be final. You know, it was just a bit complicated, their relationship at this point on. Even though they came together to record this album here that was to finally be released, which is their last album, it was still met with a little bit of anticipation and uncertainty. It's unfortunate, but you know, it wasn't fully going to stop there. They were intended to be their final performances. On November 13th, 2015, some years later, A Tribe Called Quest reunited to perform on The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. And on that night of their Tonight Show appearance, it was the same night of the terrorist attacks in Paris in 2015. Who knows if that had a factor in why they put aside their differences to record this new album finally, or you know, whether it was just at this point they thought it was time to put their differences aside. Who really knows? It could have been a mixture of a lot of different things, but they they felt changed. They felt changed like, okay, let's actually do this next album. Let's let's do it. I think ironically enough, their last album is called We Got It From Here. Thank you for your service. Interesting. I um I think that's a really interesting title considering it's their last one. So they recorded this in secrecy though. However, Ali was unable to attend these recording sessions because he was actually producing the Netflix Luke Cage soundtrack at the time. So that's interesting. If you like the Luke Cage show on Netflix, just know that Ali was producing the soundtrack for that. 
So here's where the sad news finally comes in. Fife Dog died on March 22nd, 2016 due to his complications relating to diabetes. I mean, he is sorely missed. I mean, I'm telling you, his whole rap flow, how he comes across and how he presents himself in the rap hip-hop community, he was a force to be reckoned with. Very talented man, very creative as well. It's just, um, he'll be sorely missed. So the album was left incomplete when Fife Dog died. However, the rest of the members continue to work on the album following Fife Dog's death. They felt like they had enough material from Fife Dog to continue the album and to finish it because, you know, they wanted to put it out and put it out in his memory, in his honor. So that's what they did. And it was subsequently announced in October that it was going to have a release date of November 11th, 2016. And it became the group's second album to debut at number one on the Billboard 200 charts. A day after its release as well, the group appeared on Saturday Night Live and performed in front of a mural of Fife Dog in his honor. So through death, I suppose, comes community, comes understanding, comes love, comes rebirth of this whole thing. It's very unfortunate that he had to pass away due to his complications with diabetes. It left, I think, a strong impression, however, the last album. I think that's a tour de force, to be honest. This album, however, is so different from their other ones because it features a whole plethora of strong guest appearances. Like, so strong. It features Andre 3000 from Outkast. It features Kendrick Lamar, Jack White of the White Stripes, Elton John, yes, Kanye West, Consequence, Q-Tip's cousin, Busta Rhymes, and more. So people from their past, they brought onto this new album. People that were inspired by A Tribe Called Quest, i.e. Outkast, i.e. Andre 3000, Kendrick Lamar, they came on to this album. Jack White came on to put a heavily influenced rock spin on this album, which is really different from any of their previous albums ever before. So it blends a lot of different genres like rock with hip-hop and all these other things coming together. It's a really interesting listen. I would, I mean, all other albums I would highly suggest listening to, but this one, it's so different. It's so good. Just listen to it for sure. Um, We Got It From Here received widespread acclaim from critics and from fans alike. I mean, this album just really outdid itself here. Plans were revealed from Q-Tip that the group was to do a final world tour to not only promote the album, but to honor Fife Dog one last time before permanently disbanding forever. Like, that was going to be it for them. And it was also announced that a new Fife Dog solo album called Forever, which was completed before his death, was to be released in the near future. And... I just want to say this has a release date coming up. It's going to be released on March the 22nd of this year, by the way. So mark your calendars for that album. So remember, March 22nd. Remember that because I'm telling you, it's going to be a massive album. And I probably will review the album on my my blog um, as well. So keep a lookout for that too. 
On February 12, 2017, A Tribe Called Quest performed at the 59th Annual Grammy Awards. And later in February of that month, the group won an award for the Best International Group at the Brit Awards. So that's really cool. And in May, on the 22nd, the album officially achieved gold certification. So from this point on, you know, of course, they toured the album finally. They honored Fife Dog. They had some final concerts. Their last official concert was on September the 9th, 2017 at Bestival in Dorset, England. You know, that's kind of where we leave it with A Tribe Called Quest. They have officially disbanded. Who knows what the future holds? I'm not really sure. But of course, you've got Q-Tip, who's probably, maybe, I don't know, he might put out music in the future. That could be something to look forward to. But you for sure have that Fife Dog album forever coming out in March. I'm telling you, listen to it. Mark your calendars. It's going to be one of the biggest albums, I think, of 2022. It has to be one of the biggest ones. I can I can see that. So definitely um, be on the up and up with that one. So I just kind of wanted to end this episode by just kind of reinstating the legacy that A Tribe Called Quest has left on the music industry. But of course, within their own respective genre, hip-hop, hip-hop and rap. Because I'm telling you, I, I consider them the, one of the forefathers of the genre. You know, not a lot of people were doing it like they were doing it and how they were, you know, all their flows. They each brought something different to an album, to a song. Again, Q-Tip had his own style. Fife Dog had his own style. Um, Ali had his own style. You know, Jerobi White, when he was in the group, he had his own style too. It's unlike anything that I've ever heard before. It's so different. It's so good. That's kind of where my love for 90s hip-hop really is in alignment with that kind of music. I mean, again, there's nothing wrong with modern hip-hop and modern rap. It's just not really something I gravitate towards a lot. I really go to the later, rather the earlier stuff in the 90s. Um, And A Tribe Called Quest is one of those groups I just keep coming back to over and over again. I just wanted to put this out there again, just to speak upon their legacy because, you know, all these publications have come out to say that without question, A Tribe Called Quest is the most intelligent, artistic rap group during the 90s. It's just, it's just perfect. I mean, again, they influence so many other hip hop moguls like Dr. Dre, Pete Rock, um, Andre 3000 for Outkast, and all these other people. You know, Buster Rhymes got his big up-and-coming debut on Scenario, and Buster Rhymes, I love Buster Rhymes. He's one of my favorite rappers. Um, He comes up too from them, and it's, I mean, you can't go wrong with A Tribe Called Quest. They are just so good. And what's so interesting about them is they successfully bridge the gap between jazz and hip-hop. And again, their sampling is so unique and so unlike anything that we've ever seen. De La Soul really did it too. De La Soul is so good with their sampling too, but they all come from that same family collective. Again, native tongues. They come from the same area. They come from the same community. So they were all like-minded individuals that were very different at the time. And they pushed this whole new kind of genre that incorporated all these other aspects like jazz, funk, soul, uh, beat bop, hard bop, um, you know, all these other things that just come together to perfectly create 
the massive tour de force that is A Tribe Called Quest, like, they are just unbelievably good. And they forever changed the sound of hip-hop forever. Again, I want to iterate to you, Dr. Dre was highly influenced by A Tribe Called Quest after hearing the low-end theory in particular that he put out his debut album, The Chronic, because of them. Even though, again, he was West Coast and Quest was East Coast, still, it came together in such a way. And look at how many people Dr. Dre has inspired too with Snoop Dogg and Tupac, all the other ones on the West Coast. It's just, it's just kind of um, a domino effect. It's really, really, really interesting. And they were so intelligent in how they sampled their music and how they put it together. I just, I love them a lot. So I have to say, if you aren't a massive hip-hop fan or maybe you just haven't listened to a lot of hip-hop, maybe it's not your particular cup of tea. Or you want to get into hip-hop and you just don't really know where to start. I would start with A Tribe Called Quest. I think they're the easiest to get into because they're so likable. They're so likable. Their music is so easy to digest. It's so funky and groovy and amazing. Again, um, The Low End Theory and Midnight Marauders. Those are the two albums I would listen to first to really get a feel for who they are and then listen to the rest of the albums in whatever order you want. But I would say the top two, The Low End Theory and Midnight Marauders, and particularly if you want to listen to certain songs from them, Scenario's the number one. Scenario, Electric Relaxation, A War Tour, and Check the Rhyme. Those four songs. I'll leave you with those four songs. If you've never heard of them, you want to dive in, you don't know where you want to go with it, those are my personal recommendations, but go with it what you will. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm going to leave it with A Tribe Called Quest. Again, I just want to say one more time, March 22nd of this year, look out for Fife Dog's posthumous album called Forever. I mean, people are waiting. They were waiting for this album. It's, it's coming. It's coming. So be on the lookout for that. But anyway, that is A Tribe Called Quest. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and you learned something that you hadn't known about before, that you never learned about before. That's why I'm here to provide you guys with entertainment, but also to provide you guys with education, music history, a bit of music commentary, all the good things. And yeah, hope you guys have a nice day. Have a nice week. I will see you guys next Wednesday with another episode of On The Mix. Talk to you guys later. Bye, guys. Bye.